Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, the Vegas Golden Knights are indeed 8-1 to start their first ever NHL season. Oscar Dance gets the first shutout in Golden Knights franchise history. It's a blowout. 7-0 over the Colorado Avalanche. Flames and Stars just getting underway late in the first period. Scoreless between Nashville and Chicago. Blues and Hurricanes are tied 1-1 late in the second period. Jets up 1-0 on the Blue Jackets. That's early in the third. And the Devils lead the Senators 3-2. That one is also early in the third period. World Series tonight. Bottom of the second. It's 2-0 for Houston. The series, of course, tied 1-1. Doubleheader in the CFL tonight. Coming up a little bit later on, it's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders hosting the struggling Montreal Alouettes. Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Winnipeg bunched together in the West. The Eskimos can still finish anywhere between second and fourth in the West, though second's uh, kind of unlikely at this point. Ottawa has rallied to go ahead of Hamilton 22-19. They're about five minutes into the third quarter in uh, in Ottawa. Uh, so the Eskimos have their final uh, home game tomorrow unless they, they can uh, pass Winnipeg and get into second place. Uh, I Usually go to Eskimos games. Probably not going to be able to go tomorrow because i got to be at Rogers Place for the uh, Oilers broadcast. But I, I often go to Eskimos games with my parents. So I was talking to my mom today. I was like, Mom, what are you, you going to do tomorrow? Oh, I, I don't know. Probably probably make you know, three or 4,000 pierogies during the day just to keep busy, have some pierogies on hand. I was like, all right. And then you're going to the football game, right? Because they're playing the Calgary Stampeders. She said, I hate the Calgary Stampeders. I want to destroy them. So my mom's ready for the game. Morley Scott will be doing the play-by-play on 630 Chad. Hey, Morley. I love your mom. She's very, very passionate about making sure everybody is fed and about the uh, CFL teams she despises. Good. I'm glad about that, but I got to find out how do I get some pierogies? Uh, I'll just tell her you want some, or chocolate chip cookies, or whatever. Right. She, she, no, no, I, I don't need. I want pierogies, man. I want pierogies, homemade pierogies. <laughs> Nothing beats those. Well, I'm sure I could find something in my parents' freezer that my mom has made and that that is there in excess. I don't know if I've ever told you this, Morley. Uh, my parents uh, have two dogs, which I often say I have joint custody of because they're at my house quite a bit too. My mom makes them homemade dog food. Like they get, they don't get any any of that canned stuff. They get homemade wow. dog food that my mom makes for them. And wow, that's awesome! And they're both doing well into their senior years. One's one just turned thirteen, the other's eleven, and they're and they're both quite healthy. So something's Excellent. working. Well, that's great. She's a wonderful mom, then. She's well, she raised, really is. She's raised three great dogs. <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> no, but she's a very uh, very passionate and very nervous sports fan. Uh, like she's been an Eskimos fan. She she grew up near Lamont. And used to listen to Eskimos games on the radio. And I don't think saw a, a football game on television until she was probably mm. uh, in her late teens or in her 20s. So she would listen on the radio. And I was talking to her about the uh, Oilers game. 
last night. She's like, just, uh, I just, I just wanted it to get that point. You have to p- protect that point and get into overtime, and then, and then see what happens. So, you know, but she was okay when Benning actually scored, but she didn't want to lose that valuable point. Got to get it into overtime. But that, so she's very nervous. Then. That's great. Yeah, That's very, great. very nervous. Uh, Morley, thanks for checking in tonight. Did you hear that? Did you? Were you already on the line, or have you? Did you see the Vegas score from the from the NHL? I saw it. That's incredible. Now, the win tonight, I saw they tweeted out, and, and by the way, their Twitter account is just, they're just run by great people because they're funny. They've already matched the Washington Capitals record for their first season when they entered the NHL back in the 70s. That's so a good ran. point. I never even yeah. thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> they won eight games all year. Uh, Vegas has won eight games in October. That's pretty important. Well, and you keep waiting for it to fall apart, but I mean, they got quite a cushion just to stay above. Yeah, they're, they're on their they're on their third goaltender already, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yeah, they're, they're, they're got hurt. They're so. all, their their goaltenders are like Eskimo middle linebackers. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a good point. So, and and I mean, and they're not winning. I thought, well, great, Vegas is going to play a lot of two, one, three, two games. Like they won seven. Not, now, granted, it's Colorado who appear to be maybe falling apart a little bit, but like they're not they're not winning these like boring expansion style like two nothing game. Like they won seven nothing tonight. The uh, the uh, Vegas is not the Minnesota Wild. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, they're scoring goals. They're entertaining, and uh, the games look fun too. They look like they're having a blast in Vegas. They're winning, and that's part of it. We'll see how it does. Uh, they're bound to have some trouble sooner or later, aren't they? We'll see how they how the crowds react then, and if they're having as much fun at that point. But yeah, they've been they've been a real good story so far to start the year, haven't they? Uh, Astros now up four nothing on the Dodgers. By the way, they're still batting in the bottom of the second in Houston, Game Two of the uh, World Series. Morley, I got uh, Ottawa and Hamilton on here, twenty two nineteen for. The Red Blacks. So the Red Blacks have this crazy schedule. They had a bye last week. They have a bye next week. And if they win tonight, they'll still have a chance to finish first in the East, which would give them another bye. I mean, Ottawa could potentially play one game in a month and then host the East final, depending on if they win tonight and what and, happens to Toronto next week. And remember back early in the season, they played three games in 11 days? Yes, <laughs> Somehow you gotta be able to straighten that out a little bit, don't you? You gotta have a little more give and take than that. That, that yeah, they have an absolutely ridiculous schedule this year, and uh, yeah, it'd be if they if they finish first in the East, it'll be the third straight year that the team that won a division had also had the bye week in week twenty. The Eskimos did it in fifteen and had to go two extra weeks before they played their playoff game. And the Calgary Stampeders did it last year, waiting two weeks before they played their first playoff game. And Ottawa could be in the same situation if they finish first in the East. But add to the fact that they have uh, the bye week last week as well. And but they're Hamilton. not winning anymore, so we don't have to talk <laughs> yeah. about that. Hamilton right? just got a touchdown. It's actually a pretty good game. You know, Ham- I'll, I'll say this for Hamilton. They, they did not mail it in. I mean, they've been quite competitive here, even though they've been out of playoff contention for quite a while. Eskimos play-by-play voice Morley Scott joining us here on Inside Sports. So you guys are on at 3.30 tomorrow afternoon. Game starts at 5. Remember, if you're going, bring something for 6.30. Chet Santa's anonymous. And uh, the Eskimos here, back on, back uh, streaking a little bit. They've won three. They've won three in a row. Uh, what's going on, though, with, with Kenny Ladler? He's having an outstanding season. Is he, is he kind of getting a week off, or is this a serious injury perhaps 
Uh, it's not serious, I don't believe. I think he's more getting a week off than he is injured. Uh, Coach Jason Moss said today that, that he's had a whole bunch of little things that have been bugging him over the course of a season like most players do, and I think they just wanted to make sure that he's going to be 100% healthy for next week's game, which could be very important, and, of course, for the playoff games, which obviously is very important the week after that. So I don't think there's anything serious with Kenny Ladner. I believe uh, – I pretty sure I saw him out there practicing this week, so I believe that uh, they've just decided that uh, we're not going to take any chances. A lot like the situation was last week with C.J. Gable. There's just something there, and as Jason Moss said with Gable, with our track record this year with injuries, with something there and going ahead with guys, and then they get hurt, we just don't want to take any chances. So they're just going to give, like they did with Gable last year, last week, they're just going to give Kenny Lavender the week off. He becomes the last domino to fall on the Eskimos defense. Uh, he was the only guy who had started in every game uh, and now that has fallen at uh, week 17 or game 17 for the Eskimos. So uh, just that's just kind of the, the kind of season they've had this year. Okay. Morley, can you tell me the situation with kicker Sean White, who has been missed, and if and when he returns, how that's going to affect the return game? I know it's different sides of the ball on special teams, but is there is there not a connection here between White potentially being active and what could happen with a better returner being in the line? Yeah, ab- absolutely there is, but they're, they're making that move, it looks like, to get Jamil Smith onto the lineup this week. See, uh, they're using an American kicker right now, which means you got to take an American out at some other position, and they have chosen to do that at, at having that uh, return specialist dressed. So that's why Brandon Zilstra has been put back there to return right now. Uh, for tomorrow's game, they've taken, uh, looks like Alex Hoffman-Ellis is out to make room for Jamil Smith to get back into the lineup and return. But next time around, when White is healthy and comes onto the roster, and uh, I presume Swayze Waters comes off, that opens up the spot for another American to come on. So then Hoffman-Ellis would be able to come back onto the roster at that point. So it's all turned. And, and you know, I, I, it was a great line. I think it was uh, Eric Tillman who always used the line. He said, uh, you know, NFL rosters, it's like uh, checkers. CFL rosters, it's like chess because every move has a ramification somewhere down the road. So if you put in an American kicker, that means you've got to put in a Canadian somewhere else in your roster and take an American out. So there's a lot of ramifications that are made for, for pretty much uh, every move you make on your roster. Also, read thrown to the fact that the the salary caps got to be an issue at some point for the Eskimos. I know they're not over now, and they're and they're but they're pretty close, I would imagine. And I think that's why they're choosing to leave Sean White on the sixth game for one more game, and that way the the previous five games that he was on this for this stint don't count against the salary cap. Okay, well that that's really interesting how that works, and and it's been tough for the Eskimos return game. I mean, look, first of all. The, the organization, and this covers several general managers now, hasn't been mm-hmm. able to bring in an elite returner. And then I think the injuries made it worse this year because they wanted Ken Dial and they wanted Van to try it, and they haven't been able to use Smith because of injuries in a totally different position. So that's uh, that's interesting how that uh, yeah. shakes out. Morley, uh, before I let you go, uh, in 30 seconds here, give me a couple keys to the game tomorrow. Well, first key to the game, and everyone's talked about it all week long on the Eskimo side of things, is discipline. Calgary is the most disciplined team in the CFL, so you have to, you can't take penalties. You can't hurt yourself. And the biggest thing against Calgary is they're not going to give you many opportunities to take advantage of them. They don't make a lot of mistakes, so when they do make a mistake, you have to capitalize and, and, uh, and take advantage of it and put some points on the board. Morley, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great call, buddy. Big doubleheader here on Chet. All right, thanks, Rick. Don't forget my pierogies.
There we go. It's <laughs> Morley Scott. I'll leave him on his desk for sure. Morley Scott, play-by-play voice for your Edmonton Eskimos. 26-22, Hamilton has now gone in front of Ottawa. Five minutes left in the third quarter. We'll get a Stamps perspective from Greg Peterson next. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Greg Peterson is a former Calgary Stampeder, now an analyst for the team on our sister station, News Talk 770 in Calgary. Greg, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Uh, good, thanks. It's great to be back on your show. Yeah, always love talking football with you. It's uh, been a pretty exciting CFL season, a lot of close games, some dramatic comebacks, and uh, the one constant theme which has been going on for several years now, uh, which despite a loss, uh, a loss last weekend, has been a, a dominant Calgary Stampeders team. I mean, they just, uh, and we'll talk specifically about maybe the last couple of weeks, but overall, uh, I mean, what's the key here? Just continuity, just high standards? How do they keep cranking out the wins regular season after regular season? Well, I think, number one, they have a coaching staff that's been together for a long time, and whenever you've got that cohesiveness with the coaching staff, it carries through. They just have an expectation of winning. Uh, it's got a great culture. You know, it's probably a lot like the Edmonton Eskimos in the 80s. You come in, you're expected to win. You know, the old adage or, or verbiage that next man up is really applicable. Uh, but they just seem to um, have that expectation, and a lot of it, I think, is just continuity. They've been able to play veterans and sprinkle in rookies, season those rookies slowly instead of having to just throw them in. And so I think that's been another big, big key secret. You know, the the Stamps have had some lopsided wins, but they had mm-hmm. the tables turned on them one week ago. Saskatchewan <laughs> walked in there 30-7. to uh, I was watching most of that game. I mean, man, the, the riders looked in control. Is that, Was that a bit of a... I'll use the cliche term. Was that a wake-up call for the Stampeders? Was that just a great day for the Rough Riders? How do you how do you look at that one, Greg? Well, I think a little bit of both. Um, you know, in my 22 years of being a color commentator for the Stampeders, I don't think I've ever seen a game where the Stamps have played that bad. They really didn't play bad. It was a cold night. It was raining, and. I just don't think the Stampeders came ready to play. And, you know, the ball bounces a funny way. Next thing you know, Saskatchewan's got the momentum. And especially in cold weather, when you're, you don't really want to be out there at times, and it just snowballed on them. I think it was a one-off game, though. I think the Stampeders are better than that. Um, but, yeah, it was a pretty ugly football game for the Stampeders. They didn't play well. On the other hand, uh, you know, Saskatchewan made the plays. And I think they're a team that has really come up and you know we all have to be we all be in the Edmonton and Calgary fans have to be kind of aware of them I think they're now a very young excited aggressive football team that uh, watch out for them in the playoffs well they remind me a little bit of that Eskimos team that Chris Jones coached in 2015 though I don't don't think they have a quarterback on Mike Riley no I don't think they have the I don't I don't either so yeah you know the Stampeders are, are an interesting franchise because They've been excellent. I mean, I'm looking back at the the seasons. I mean, you're hard-pressed in the last decade to find a season with fewer than 12 wins. There's only been a couple. Um, But in a nine-team league, you're kind of measured by not just a championship but multiple championships. And they've had – they won the Grey Cup in 2014 and then playoff disappointments in 15 and, and 16. Does that do you sense that that weighs on this team, or that there's a sense of unfinished business, or, or how do you look at the regular season success and then coming up just short the last two years? 
Well, it's just, uh, you know, in the CFL, you can, anybody can beat anybody on a given day. And, but I, I just think that they haven't, for various reasons, they haven't played well in the playoffs. Now, they've only got one out of the last 10 years, one, you know, great cup win. Uh, but this year, I, I think, to answer your question, they do have a sense of unfulfilled business that they want to get there. They were very, last year they had a fantastic team. I mean, with the record, they were just filled on the all-star team and filled up all the awards. They were just a team that dominated the entire league. And then to pull it up short in the overtime against Ottawa, a team that I think if it stands would have played them five times, would have beat them four out of the five times, but the one time they didn't win. So this team, uh, most of them are back, and yeah, I think this year they do have a sense of unaccomplished business that they want to get there and finally win it. Greg, it's going to be fun tomorrow, Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. I'll see you there. Thanks for checking in. Yep, should be a, a great game. It always is between Calgary and Edmonton. And you know what? I think the rivalry's heating up more like it was in, in earlier years. So I'm glad to see that. I'm glad, glad to see the rivalry between the Eskimos and the Stampeders back. Good stuff, Greg. Greg Peterson, Stampeders analyst on our sister station in Calgary. All right, we're coming up to the 7.30 news and weather. Stick around for that. And then the final half hour of Inside Sports, a little more on the NHL and the Oilers, who will play the Capitals tomorrow. And uh, this is going to be fun. We're going to go from one Peterson to the other. Remember Mo Pete? You remember Mo Pete, Patrick? Morris Peterson played for the Toronto Raptors. He is in Edmonton tonight. We'll see what's going on. We'll see how his life is going. He won, I don't know if you remember this, he won a national championship in the NCAA playing for Michigan State. I'll ask him about that tournament, too. That is always a fun tournament to watch. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. What do we got here, Patrick? Uh, these are the Demics. Uh, early 80s punk rock from Toronto. Slowing it down a little bit. Little we bit. need a mirrored ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday, you know, that means we got at the end of the show tonight. Yes, I know. Oh, he's got it ready oh, yeah. already. That's awesome. Astros are up 4-1 on the Dodgers in the middle of the third. That's game three of the World Series. It is tied one game each. NHL action tonight. Yeah, big story. Vegas 7, Colorado nothing. The Golden Knights are 8-1 and one to start the season. Dallas beaten last night by the Oilers, now taking on the Calgary Flames. Scoreless, five minutes left in the first period. In the second frame, Chicago was up one nothing on Nashville. Anisimov with the goal. Shots, uh, the second period just started. Shots are 21-7 in favor of the Hawks. In the third, Blues and Hurricanes tied 1-1. Jets and Blue Jackets tied 1-1. And the Devils with a 4-2 lead late on the Ottawa Senators. That's your NHL action this evening. The Alberta Golden Bears hockey team uh, just getting underway in Regina. And Friday night football. It's actually been a pretty good back-and-forth game. Hamilton leading Ottawa 26-22 with 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Saskatchewan to host Montreal. A little bit later on tonight. Tomorrow on 6.30, Chad, 3.30 for the countdown to kickoff. Play-by-play starts at 5. Eskimos hosting the Stampeders. As soon as that game ends, we'll go to Rogers Place and bring you the Oilers and the Capitals. Game 2 of the Oilers' five-game homestand should be a good one. Uh, This guy was a good one for the Toronto Raptors. 
very good college career at Michigan State as well in Edmonton this weekend. Pleased to welcome to the show the guy you called Mo Pete, Morris Peterson. Morris, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thank you for having me. I'm yeah, here in Edmonton, man, enjoying myself. Now, is this your first trip to Edmonton, or what's your experience with uh, with Western Canada? You know what? This is actually my second trip to Edmonton. Uh, I came here maybe about 12 years ago uh, for an exhibition game when I uh, when I played with the Raptors. So I'm actually, uh, yep, 12 years ago. So this is actually my second time. Okay, right on. Well, and it must have been an interesting experience being a Toronto Raptor because a lot of NBA teams, they're maybe popular in that city or in a region, but being a Toronto Raptor, you got – you were Canada's team, right? They still are. You got love from coast to coast, I guess, eh? Oh, absolutely, man. Um, you know, to be able to uh, to represent a country, you know, you know, not, not too many players, not too many guys can say that, you know, for for um, Canada having one NBA team, you know, and everybody get a chance to watch you. And it's been, it's been great. You know, I've been able to, to travel around Canada. And, um, you know, when I was playing with the Raptors, man, it was obviously a great experience. But it's also a great experience to – to come to these cities and these different places in Canada where we got a lot of support. And just to come down here and show my face and say thank you. You know, thank you for all you've done for me, you know, through my career and watching and uh, and supporting and, you know, being our backbone to the team as well. So thank you for having me. You know, Morris, i got to ask you because I was uh, just double-checking your bio before I was I knew I was going to talk to you here. A uh, little, little belated, but I got to say, happy 40th. <laughs> how does life feel? At, how does life feel at 40? Does uh, life begin at 40? Is that true? <laughs> man, I think life ends at 40. You know, <laughs> no, um, <laughs> this has been great. You know, I don't feel any different uh, other than my kids reminding me that I'm 40 and saying, "Dad, you know what? You, you know, you, you're getting pretty old there, Dad." So. But uh, other than that, uh, it's great. Great. I had a birthday in August and uh, enjoyed it with my family and friends. And man, I'll tell you, time goes by fast. Man, I remember being a 21-year-old kid uh, getting drafted by the Raptors and, you know, not knowing what to expect. And the first time I, uh, when I came to report for the team, I actually drove because I only lived three and a half hours away from Toronto. And uh, just to come in that big city, man, and see it, uh, you know, get to experience it, man, it's been, it's been such a blessing. And, uh and also, I got to tell you a story. When I landed, uh, one of the guys at Customs, you know, was like, hey, Morris, uh, man, I'm looking at your passport, and I always thought you were Canadian. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we, we had, a, la- we had a, a laugh about that. But uh, you know what? This, this country has been great to me. And I, I feel like I'm an uh, honorary Canadian. Well, that's great to hear. We we love to hear that about uh, you know guys who come and play for for our our, our teams in, in whatever league. So that's awesome to hear. I you know, but looking back a little bit more, so I, I got to ask you, and I love I love asking athletes how they went on their journey to become a pro. And you were born in Flint, Michigan. And look, I, I'm going to be honest with you here. Mm-hmm. Flint is sort of you know has that reputation of a of a city that's been through some tough times. I, I think filmmaker Michael Moore has is from Flint. Flint and has mm-hmm. talked about some of the challenges. What was it like growing up uh, in Flint? I mean, was it a, was it a tough city? Were there were there limited opportunities? Um, what do you remember about being a kid there? You know what? I remember growing up in Flint and um, having a great childhood. You know, um, being able to, to uh, form some relationships with some uh, great people. Uh, you know, it, the sports in in, uh, in in Michigan and in Flint. 
you know, I got a chance to watch some greats, you know, on all aspects. You know, if you look at the boxing level with Chris Bird, uh, the Birds, uh, what they heavyweight champions. We've had heavyweight champions, uh, Clarissa Shields, uh, Glenn Rice, but we have NFL champions. Uh, we Jim Abbott, my mom taught Jim Abbott and Glenn Rice, and uh, you know. I remember growing up and just saying, wow, I mean, if I can feel, if I can stick my, my toe in, in one of those guys' shoes, you know, I'd be all right, you know. And um, it, you know what, t- tough times, uh, you know, tough people, you know, outlast tough times. And Flynn has always been resilient. You know, when you look at the uh, General Motors closing down and them having to go through that, then the water crisis, then you look at the crime rate and stuff like that. It's always a challenge, and there's a lot of challenges in these inner cities in, in Michigan, especially with the educational system and a lot of these, um, you know, with the funding of some of these inner city schools. You know, they, they, you know, I was talking to uh, Chris. He, he's a player development uh, with the NBA. Sitting over here at lunch, and we were talking about that. We were talking about the resources that you know Canada has right now and the United States has and don't have and some of the, you know, I, I'm able to see both aspects and that's why you're seeing a lot of kids from Canada come out because they're seeing some great basketball um, you know, I, I know Chris said hockey is getting a little expensive so people are trying to figure out different sports and different things to, to keep their kids involved and then you grow up and you watch some guys like Vince Carter and Antonio Davis and you know, uh, Canada's team kids want to, you know, be like some of the guys that played and you have a lot of kids who have that, that balance coming out of Canada who going on to play in the NBA. So it's great to see that. Great to see on both sides and where, I, where I'm from, to see all the people to come out was always been, has always been an example for me and been a push. And like I said, if I can, um, you know, just do a tenth of what some of those guys, those guys did, I'll be successful. And um, it's been such a blessing. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Morris Peterson, former Toronto Raptor, joining us on Inside Sports. I got to ask you, one of my favorite tournaments to watch, and I think for a lot of people, is the NCAA basketball tournament. And Morris, I don't pretend to be an expert about the teams or anything like that, but once that tournament starts and every game is game seven, you know, is single elimination, upsets galore. But you guys won it in 2000, Michigan State, as, as one of the favorites. You were number one seed in your region. What's it like? to play in that tournament with all the hype and every game, like I said, being a game seven? Well, first of all, I know that you know a lot about college basketball if you've been watching it for that long. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, it, it was it was so great uh, to, to go to Michigan State. Uh, I remember when Coach Izzo got the, first got the job, he, uh, they were recruiting me, and he said, Morris, you know, I'm going to be honest, you know, we really don't know what to expect. So I can tell you, if you tell me your goals, we're gonna do everything in our power to make sure it happens, and uh, and he's he's the kind of play kind of coach that players want to run through a brick wall for, because he cares about you not only on the court but off the court as well, and um, you know play at Michigan State to go through you know first year first couple of years when we played in the NIT, uh, second year you know we got to the, um, the Sweet 16 we lost events in events in North Carolina. In the, in the Sweet 16, then my junior year we went to the Final Four, then my senior year I was winning the championship. You know, we, we were so such seasoned by that by that point. Um, you know, and you know, with all the hard work that we you know put in in the summertime, we felt like going into the season from our junior year that we should win it because you know we felt like no one had worked harder than us. We got a great support system in Coach Enzo. Um, you know, he's not going to let just let you do what you want. You know, he's going to you know put the team in front, and that's kind of how I prided myself 
when I got to the NBA of being a team guy and guy who's going to help, you know, help the team get better any way I can, whether it's scoring or, or diving for a loose ball. And um, that's where I got the blueprint from. And, and it's one, one and done. You, you lose one game and you go home. And I remember that feeling my junior year when we lost in the Final Four and just getting a little taste of success. And, um, you know, that feeling of, of uh, you know, getting there, getting so close and losing, uh, but also winning it, man. It's nothing like that experience, man. I feel like as I get older, that experience only gets better and better because uh, that's something that's an amazing accomplishment. You know? Awesome. Boris Peterson joining us on Inside Sports tonight, former Toronto Raptor in, in Edmonton this weekend. And I do want to ask you what, what you're doing here. But I, I also uh, I love asking people this question uh Morris, if, if you could give a, a young athlete, maybe a basketball player, maybe he's playing hockey, football, soccer, whatever, maybe a teenage boy or girl who thinks they got a chance to play at university, maybe be pro someday, what's that one piece of advice you would you would give that youngster? One piece of advice I would say, write down your goals. Every year and then every year, rewrite your goals down. You know, I, I remember my, um, my sophomore year, I wasn't getting a lot of PT, um, you know, in school. I wasn't doing as well in school as that I, that I felt like I should have. And it was just kind of like a moment of clarity for me to, to say, hey, Morris, is this, like, what do you really want to do? So I, I remember sitting in my dorm room and I wrote my goals down. I said, I'm going to start academic-wise. You know, I'm going to make sure I don't miss any class. I'm going to be the, you know, I'm gonna be the first one in class. You know, I'm going to sit in the front. I'm going to ask questions. You know, if there's something I don't know, I'm going to find out. You know, um, you know, I'm going to, you know, make sure I read for an hour, you know, at night before I go to bed. You know, basketball-wise, you know, I wrote those goals down saying, hey, I'm going to shoot. You know, make sure I make 200 free throws after practice, you know, every night. Uh, or come back at night and make sure I make a 1,000 jump shots. Just all these different goals I wrote down. And, um, of course, you know, it didn't change overnight. And that's what I want to tell them. Nowadays, when you see the Instagram and you see everything, is you can get it instantly. Think it's, it's not like that. Success doesn't happen overnight, so you got to stay with it. And I stay with it. I, every day when I woke up, I looked at those goals, and it reminded me of what I should be doing. And I did it. And then next thing you know, oh, I go from getting a C, now I'm getting a B in class. Or, oh, man, I'm going from the, you know, way down on the second string, not string now I'm a six man. You know, and it just got better, and it didn't change overnight. And if there's one piece of advice I can say is write your goals down, and don't let anybody, you know, tell you that you can't do something. No, that's that's the biggest piece of advice I have. Awesome advice. Morris, I have another question I ask ex-players. I hope you like this one. From your time in the <laughs> NBA, who is the best player you played with? Who is the best player you played against? <laughs> the best player I played with is Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> nice. Okay. Now, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I played with a lot of great players. I mean, if you look at... You know, Toronto with Vince and uh, Antonio and Charles Oakley and Alvin and just a man, Dale Curry, Kevin Willis. I got lucky my rookie year with so many guys, uh, so many veterans. So then to go to go from there to you know to New Orleans against to play with Chris Paul and Tyson Chandler and David West and Paige Stojakovich, and then to go to OKC. And I'm playing with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and James Harden when they had that core together. So I got a chance to see three special teams, you know, in different, you know, different kind of, di- kind of different eras. 
uh, play some great basketball. And man, I mean, have I seen some great work work ethic? Some guys who know how to do it on a level that's that's unmatched. And um, but I would say if, if you look at guys who made the game easier, man, Muggsy Bowles, man, I, I love him. Um, I've always been infatuated with him, with a guy who you know who's so smart and can dominate games. And I mean, we would be on the court. And he oh, and also Mark Jackson, those two guys, they would be like, "Hey, when you come off here, do this, do this. You know, just show me. You kind of show me and guided me on some of the things I needed, and they made the game easier. So that's why they say they. That's why I say they some of the best players I played with because they made the game so easy. And man, I mean, they they they, they were like their basketball IQ was just out of the roof. Awesome. All right, and Morris, before I let you go, and I know you're busy, so thanks for checking in today. Uh, you're in Edmonton. There's a launch of a brand-new Nike NBA Connected jerseys. Sounds like these yeah. are uh, pretty cool and, and uh, kind of a technological advancement here. What can you tell us about these jerseys? Oh, man, you know what? It's, it's This event uh, today, you know, at the House of Hoops, you know, staying connected and, um, you know, bringing the fans and making them – the thing the NBA and the Foot Locker and the House of Hoops and those guys have done a great job is keeping the fans connected, making them feel like they're out there on the court. And I think, uh, you know, with, with uh, you know, connectivity and the jerseys, um, you know, bringing the guys closer, the, the fans closer to the game. But also, when I, when I first got to the NBA, jerseys were real big. I mean, you had throwback jerseys. You had, I mean, or even the, you walk around with NBA, you walk around with NBA players with some of their opponents' jerseys on, you know, or, you know, some of these throwback jerseys. So it's always been this culture of jerseys and being involved in the game. And I think they've kind of helped reinvent that, the new way, the new technology on what's going on and staying connected and knowing about, you know, each stat that you know, guys have and what they're doing real time. It just makes the guys – I mean, I'm a big fan of the game. It makes me feel good to know that I can, you know, know what guys are doing, like, instantly and being involved in having a jersey on. Because there's Morris. nothing like having an NBA jersey on. Yeah, for sure. Morris, it was great talking to you. Thanks for sharing some of your memories and experiences, and I hope you enjoy your time here in Edmonton. It's great to have you. I hope we can do this again. Thanks for coming on Inside Sports. Uh, thank you, Reed. Right on. Morris Peterson, former Toronto Raptor. What a great interview. Man, love talking to him for sure. Uh, we're late into the break. One final look at the scoreboard when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Hope you have a great weekend planned. Eskimos and Oilers games on 630 Chad tomorrow. We'll have them both. 330 countdown to kick off, then the Eskimos and Stampeders at 5. And then right after that, we'll go to Rogers Place for the Oilers and the Capitals. Big focus on uh, penalty killing and the power play today at Oilers practice at the community rink. Uh, subpar special teams so far, the Oilers uh, this year, but they were really good 5-on-5 five five last night in beating the Dallas Stars 5-4. Saskatchewan on the board with a touchdown about seven minutes in. They lead Montreal 6 nothing. I think there might be a flag here on the extra point, so we'll see what happens there. But the Riders looking very, very dangerous. They're playing the way Chris Jones likes them to play. Ball security on offense, big plays on special teams and defense, and the extra point is good. So 7-0 Saskatchewan leading Montreal in the first quarter. The other game, 
33-28, Hamilton leading Ottawa with four and a half minutes left. That's been a pretty exciting game. NHL tonight, Senators beat the Devils 5-4 in a shootout. The Senators are 5-1-5 on the season. A lot of extra time for them. The Blue Jackets beat the Jets 2-1 in overtime. In the third period, St. Louis is up 2-1 on Carolina. In the second period, the Predators lead the Blackhawks 2-1. End of the first period in Calgary, no score between the Flames and the Stars. And as we were mentioning, uh, this game started early in Vegas because it's Nevada Day, state holiday. The Golden Knights celebrate in style 7-0 over Colorado. Oscar Dansk with the shutout, first shutout in franchise history for the Golden Knights, who are 8-1. Incredible. The World Series game is in the middle of the fourth. It is Houston 4, Los Angeles 1. Game 3, the series is tied 1-1. All right. So, I mentioned 3.30, all the coverage starts tomorrow. Get uh, more on both the Oilers and the Eskimos on 630Ched.com. Patrick, you're working both games tomorrow. You're going to be a busy guy. Yeah, I'm going to order pizza, take my shoes off, and <laughs> take roots here, I guess. All right. You're, you're allowed to leave your shoes on if you want, I mean, whatever's more comfortable. It gets hot, and I got bunions, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a trivia question someday. <laughs> Which op has bunions? Uh, thanks for your hard work, buddy. I know you've been doing some extra time. Uh, Kellen Kennedy's in Vegas, isn't he? Yeah, he's down is he, there is right he, now is for he going uh, to a game? drag racing. Oh, he likes the drag racing yeah, stuff. Yeah, I do too. All right. Not to, not enough to not not as much as him. Dave Campbell. No, he's he loves wrestling as well. Dave Campbell is the producer of the show. Thanks to our guest tonight. You heard from Morley Scott, Greg Peterson, Morris Peterson, and Kelly Rudy. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in. If you are celebrating adult hello, Halloween, be safe and have fun. Talk to you tomorrow from Rogers. Every stop I make, I make a new friend. Can't stay for long, just turn around and I'm gone.